Hello and welcome back to the Dan Anderson Podcast. I, of course, am Dan, and this is a podcast about sharing the stories and lessons learned by successful entrepreneurs. Super pumped about this one, Erica. We have the CEO and founder of Brodo, Canada's first edible cookie dough and better for you. I'm sure, Erica, you can do a much better job of telling me a little bit more about your product, but thanks for coming on the show and look forward to chatting with you. Yeah, Dan, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Should be a good one. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of do an intro first. We'll start with what Brodo is today, really how you started the idea, and then dive a little bit deeper into why entrepreneurship? Why do you lead the, 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 the journey on your own instead of going into you know business, uh, a nine to five job, some of the challenges you faced along your journey, and then really ending with you know how do you find passion in business? Uh, so with that said, let's get started. Let's talk a little bit about Brodo and how you describe Brodo to you know people who don't know what it is. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Erica. I'm the founder and CEO of Brodo, which is Canada's first 100% vegan, protein-infused, better-for-you edible cookie dough. It contains an average of five grams of plant-based protein per serving, less sugar than found in traditional cookie dough, um, and is yeah completely vegan, has plant-based protein. And uh, I launched the company in December of 2019. Awesome. Now, I know you mentioned protein, and I feel like that is kind of connected to your past, right? You were in, do you call it bodybuilding? Yeah, so I did compete in several bodybuilding competitions, kind of like my past life. Um, that was a part of my journey that kind of led me down this road to where I am today. Um, I'm a huge fitness advocate. I've been in the fitness industry for several years, and that added plant-based protein um, is something that I look for when I purchase products. So um, right. it's definitely targeted towards the fitness community. Yeah, I know you're familiar with Midday Squares and, and the business that Jake Carls and, and the team over there has built. We actually had Jake on the podcast. I'm sure you, you heard about that. I actually brought that up in the pitch to, to get you on the show. Um, but they have you know infused protein into their products too. Do you think there's a trend with um, you know, healthier snacks to add protein? And why do you think people are, are maybe looking for protein? Yeah, so yeah, Midday Squares, they're an awesome team. I really admire what they're doing and the brand, the product itself is great. Um, and yeah, I, I fully believe like a lot of people are looking for that added protein, especially yeah. people who are avid, um, like they, they work out a lot and they really care about that component of things they purchase. Like they're gonna buy protein bars, they're gonna buy protein powder, protein chips, protein cookies. Um, so why can't there be a protein cookie dough or with Midday Squares, like a protein chocolate bar? So we're kind of, in the same way, disrupting our category by having that added plant-based protein. Who do you see as like your your primary competitors that are out there, whether that's in the retail space or direct to consumer? So direct to consumer, um, I don't have any really direct competition that have that added plant-based protein. There are other edible cookie doughs on the market that are vegan, um, so they would be mm -hmm. as competitors for me. There are products similar to mine in the States, so I guess that would be my competition there. And they do ship to Canada. It's just a little expensive. Um, right. So, yeah, um, those would be my competitors. And then in the retail space, again, like there are similar products to mine, um, but they have high sugar. They don't have that added plant-based protein, and they're not really marketed towards um, the same group of like in consumers that I'm, I'm really gearing my product towards. I actually have a variety of different types of customers. I have uh, the vegan who just really mm -hmm. wants 
find that like clean quality vegan um, snack food that they can feel good eating. Um, and then I also have like the, the health advocates who are just, they just want to eat good, feel good. Um, they don't mind spending a little bit of extra money on a better quality product. And then again, right. like those, those fitness advocates who are like all about the protein. And if yep. they, if they can have, if they can have a cookie dough with that added protein, they will, they will get it and they will have it. That's important. Yeah. hundred percent. How does Brodo compare to the, the other, I guess, cookie dough companies or competitors in terms of size? I mean, are you guys the larger player or, or more the underdog? I know you were founded in, in 2019, but how long have these other guys been around? So I pretend to be bigger than I am. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, I've had many people reach out to me and they're like, oh, is your product in Whole Foods? Or it's very bootstrapped. Um, mm-hmm. I'm such a one woman show. I'm slowly starting to build out a team. So I have a growth partner now um, and I'm slowly adding in more people to kind of help me scale it. But last year I did $40,000 in revenue. And this year, like we're growing um, pretty substantially and I'm hitting retail in the summer. So that'll be a game changer for sure. Um, but yeah, that's I'm awesome. pretty small guy right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in terms of like a growth partner, what does that person add to your business? Like what is a growth partner? Yeah, so I kind of looked at my strengths and weaknesses and there are things that I'm very good at and there's things that I'm not good at. And again, this mm-hmm. is completely foreign territory to me. Like I've never launched a product before. I don't know the ins and outs of getting into retail stores and it's a little difficult. Like it can't go and knock on their door. So what he does essentially is like a sales consultant slash broker. Um, He has relationships with retail stores across the country and can get me um, into stores a little easier as well as get me a distributor and kind of help guide me and negotiate things. And yeah, like consult me essentially um, with things that I'm not really too knowledgeable on. Right. Okay. So, so kind of like, uh, almost like a sales rep, would you say? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, cause I, I know you mentioned, uh, on a previous podcast, you know, you spend a lot of time cause you're a one woman show. Um, one of the interesting stories that you brought up was that you said you were spending four to five hours a day hand delivering your products to consumers. Is that, <laughs> did I hear that correctly? So I do that a week. So every Friday, um, ah, it depends cool. on the volume. Yeah. So it does take, a while um to do that um i do offer it because like customers don't really like to pay shipping that's one thing that i see is a problem for my business um just with like shopify i see the abandoned checkout when people see how much shipping is and we're in canada i have a heavy product i'm a small business with not a ton of volume so the shipping costs are going to be a little higher so i kind of offer that free delivery option just for uh local folks and i have people who order regularly weekly and i just go and drop it off sometimes i see them sometimes i don't um it's a more personable experience and i enjoy doing it yeah so are you doing that today I am. After this, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> nice. Love to hear it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit. So we, we've got a good kind of background of, of Brodo today. Where do you see things going in the next year or two? And I know you, you've mentioned expanding into the U.S. What does that look like from a, a logistical perspective to get into a new country? Yeah, um, I'm learning all about this now. There's a huge learning curve. Um, I really, really want to master the Canadian market and kind of crawl, walk, and then run. Um, I think as entrepreneurs, like we get big eyes and we get excited and there's just opportunity everywhere and the market's so much bigger in the States. And obviously I really want to tackle that as soon as I can. Um, But I also want to grow my business slow and steady and be healthy and not crash and burn because you have to have a lot of capital in this industry. And uh, so I really want to master the Canadian market, 
get into as many retail stores as I can here. And then when I'm ready, look at expanding into the States. And that may involve getting a co-manufacturer there and not getting product um, exported over the border, um, kind of seeing what is the most economical route for me and kind of having people who, who can help me along the way with that. Because again, I don't really know what I'm doing when it comes to that, so. Right, 100%. And now is that a near-term next step for your business? It all depends how this year plays out. So in the summer, I have a distributor. Um, we're speaking with co-manufacturers slash co-packers right now. Um, so mm -hmm. kind of putting all the pieces together, um, launching in Canada in the summer, getting out into as many stores as I can nationally. And we're going to work our way up to like the bigger box stores. I'm not sure, like you guys have Wegmans and stuff in the state. Yep. Here we have like Loblaws and uh, those, those stores that are a little more expensive with bigger listing fees. So yeah. kind of going to slowly climb up to those bigger stores. And then once I kind of um, get into those, those uh, stores, I can comfortably look at um, the States. Love it. Cool. Yeah. We'll look forward to seeing it. And I can't wait to buy the product because I know I, I went to check out on the Brodo website and I was like, hey, why can't I get this product and try it out? And then, you know, messaged you and you're like, hey, we're not there yet, but hopefully soon. So can't wait. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I, it's the same. I've heard the same thing from so many people, and I feel so bad to say the same yeah. thing over and over, like a broken record. But hopefully, one day I can ship it across the border. Hundred <laughs> percent, can't wait. All right, so let's talk a little bit about why entrepreneurship, life before Brodo, because obviously this this was something that happened after college, I believe, or at the end of college. Um, but let's talk about you know, why you're in entrepreneurship. I know you told a few stories about, you know, starting a nine to five job, really hating it. But where does the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey start for Erica Rankin? Uh, I guess in a macro level. Yeah, uh, I never really was exposed to that lifestyle ever. Um, as a child, mm -hmm. like the most entrepreneurial thing I did, I had lemonade stands with my neighbors. Um, and Classic. I went and <laughs> knocked on doors and I washed cars with, I didn't, like I literally used people's own water to wash their cars, but I was a child and they're like, <laughs> well, we'll give her $2 to wash our car. And I did things like that. Um, and then I was kind of going down that path of, I, I studied psychology and then I graduated from that, worked the traditional nine to five job was deeply unfulfilled, quit that. And then I was living at home, didn't know what my next steps were. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I never traveled before. So that's when I went backpacking through Southeast Asia for four months. And so cool. yeah, it was the greatest experience that I've ever had, especially living in such a small town and not really being exposed to anything outside of that town. Um, it was a huge culture shock and just meeting people from all over the world with different life experiences and different journeys and learning about them and also getting exposed to entrepreneurship and the conversations I had, I could just see in people's faces when they talked about their businesses light up and they were so mm -hmm. passionate and it's something that I'd never seen before. So I went home and I was like, wow, that is so cool. Like, I want to feel like that. I want to love what I'm doing and I want to build something. So that's when I kind of um, sat down with myself and I weighed out the pros and cons of uh, going back to that nine to five job versus starting my own business. Um, and obviously like money is a huge thing. I did have mm -hmm. some savings in place. Um, so that definitely did help. And I was living at home at the time. So and if, if anything were to go wrong, I'm very lucky. I'm young enough where I can just go back to my parents and they can cook for me and I don't have to pay rent. So that's one really good thing that I have to fall back on if things don't work out. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that's when I looked at my passions and I was like, okay, what am I passionate about? And what am I not passionate about? And then I was like, okay, so what is Canada missing? What can I bring and add value? Like where, where is there a hole? So then that's when I saw we don't have a protein cookie dough here. And I'm extremely passionate about better for you foods. I have always taken unhealthy things and made them healthier, especially in my competition days when I was prepping. There were many things that I could no longer enjoy. Um, for yeah. example, like chocolate pudding and like all these like uh, muffins and cake and like uh, like chocolate. And like, I would just change tweak recipes and make them more, I guess, balanced, like lower in carb, higher in protein. So I'm really good at like manipulating um, basic recipes. So then that's when I started to do that with the, the cookie dough. And uh, yeah, I just went with it. And then I launched it a few months later. Ah, I see how it's coming together now. Okay. <laughs> so a, a bunch of questions come out of that as far as like where my curiosity is bringing me. Firstly, um, backpacking in Asia, like how do you make sure that you're, let's say you want to be an entrepreneur, but you don't have people in your network to connect to you to give you ideas. Was that by luck that you met all those entrepreneurs or did you join some kind of entrepreneurial program when i was backpacking i just yeah i literally i i forced myself i'm, I'm basically a forced extrovert um yeah I'm, I'm introverted like very introverted but i i really make an effort to try to go and meet people especially traveling like i i love learning about people and hearing their experiences and that's what I kind of did. I just really went out of my way to meet people. I did a tour um, with a company called G Adventures and there was like 17 of us and we all stayed in like different hostels and stuff. And there were many people that did work that traditional nine to five job, but then there were very like a, a good, a good portion of people that were um, building their own businesses and having their own businesses. And it's a little different. A lot of them, um, they could uh, work remotely and just kind of manage things like on a beach in Thailand. Whereas me, I have a physical Crazy. product. So like, I can't exactly just peace out and like leave things. Like I have to be on the ground, like managing things and um, overseeing everything. But just, just seeing them and hearing about how passionate they were, that kind of got the wheels turning in my head and really pushed me to start my own company. Yeah, no, I can definitely resonate with that because I went to a business school and before that, I didn't necessarily have um, the interest or I don't know, I, I feel like business school and being around people like that, it definitely inspires you to go do it, do it yourself. So I think it's a very important part um, of college and the college experience is the networking, the meeting new people. Um, but I want to touch on another thing that you just mentioned. You said forced extrovert. And so that brings me to... Um, developing, kind of growing as a person. Uh, and I know you, you have a, a history in athletics and bodybuilding. Do you think there's a connection between athletics and business? Yeah, 100%. And uh, it's funny, like at the time when I was competing, I had never really been exposed to entrepreneurism and that lifestyle. And a friend said to me, he was like, if you took those skills and that discipline and applied oh it in other areas of your life, like you will, you will kill it at whatever you do. And I never really thought about it, honestly. And then I, I started to think about it now that I've been running my business and it, it totally has transferred over into this part of my life um, with bodybuilding, like those competition prep days. I went a year and a half with no alcohol. I 
weighed everything I ate. I went to the gym for 12 hours a week. Like I was so dedicated. And there are so many days where I would get up and I'm like, God, I don't want to train. I don't want to, I don't want to eat my tilapia and broccoli for another day. Like I just want to dive into a pint of Ben and Jerry's. And there's all these things that you don't want to do, but it, at the end of the day, like it's not motivation that gets you to do things It's discipline. And it's the same with business. Like there are days when I don't want to pack orders. I don't want to do deliveries. Um, there's a days that are really hard, but you still just have to power through them and discipline trumps all at the end of the day. Amazing. Love to hear it. The consistency too, I'm sure is a big piece. For sure. So let's move, let's migrate a little bit to challenges that you've faced. Cause I know we're, we're moving through time here. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've run into in your business that, um, you know, you've had to overcome or you've had to figure out creative solutions to overcome and specifically related to being a woman entrepreneur? So I've been really lucky. Um, I'm still fairly new to mm-hmm. this, this journey. Like I've been at it for oh, just over a year now. And personally, like I haven't experienced any sexism or anything being a woman. Yeah. Um, I think gender equality like that is becoming more and more um, like stronger. And uh, I see a lot more female entrepreneurs in the space and female founders. And that's something that I I love to see. And that's what I hope to do. I want to be a role model for younger women and show them that, hey, look, like this is doable for females. Like you don't have to be a man to be in the business world. Like girl power is a thing. Like we can do this. It's it's doable. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in terms of other challenges, like for me, I would say like eight months into my business, I didn't have a support system in place. Um, I didn't go on LinkedIn, didn't touch it once. I had 12 connections. I never used it. I didn't see a a purpose for it. So um, I got to a point where I was working in the business instead of on the business. And I didn't know where to turn because I'm I'm new to this and I don't know how to grow a business and like successfully um, level up, I guess. So then I, I met a friend here and he's like, okay, you need to, you need to get on LinkedIn and you need to reach out to people who are in your space and ask for help. And, um, that was another thing that was really hard for me. Like I'm again, like I'm introverted at heart and messaging people who are like way up here, who are big, successful founders with these great, like successful flourishing companies is scary as hell. And I'm, I was so intimidated. And I thought like, I'm such a small fish in a big pond. No one's going to give me the time of day, but that's not the case at all. There are so many people that just want to help and um, lend, lend, lend a hand when you need it because they were in your shoes at once. So having that proper support system in place is so key and asking questions and being curious and also not having an ego. Like if you don't know something, like say you don't know something, don't pretend you do because you're not going to learn anything that way. What do you focus on to overcome, uh, you know, them in the market potentially taking your customers? Is that common? Do you see that a lot? And how do you deal with it? Yeah, so I don't necessarily see them as competition. Like we're our own um, brand. They're their own brand. They have their own customers. I'm going to have my own customers. I try to really differentiate myself and do kind of what Midday Square does with the the storytelling and kind of just, I really really um make an effort for my customers and make sure that they have the best customer experience like every single package that i deliver at a handwritten note 
Um, every single message that I get on my Instagram or emails, like I, re I reply right away. Um, if they go out of their way and they do reviews for me, I send them free product. So I think just really building a great relationship with my customers um, has really helped me. And I've reached a lot of people organically. I haven't really spent any money on marketing. So I've been really lucky that way. Um, and yeah, without my customers, I wouldn't have anything. So I just, I got to treat them like gold. I think 100%. that's different. Yeah. Perfect. What has been the most difficult part of entrepreneurship? What do you think the most difficult part of entrepreneurship is? There are many things, honestly, and it's not for everyone, for sure. Um, so for me, um, yeah, I think just like being outgoing and networking, like, cause networking is so important. And again, like I'm, I'm super introverted. I was the kid in high school who sat in the back. I never raised my hand, even presentations. Like I would go up to the teacher and ask them like, can I present to you on my lunch break? I don't want to present in front of the class. And they, that, they let me do it. And I wish they yeah. didn't, but it didn't help me grow at all. And now like I've, I've, I've developed those habits. So it's so hard to break them. Um, and having meetings and taking calls and even cold calling stores like that is the most terrifying thing. To yeah. Me. And um, even like going into stores and dropping off products, like sometimes I would circle the block and just like prepare myself. I'm like, oh, my God, who am I to like bring this product into the store? I've had like the worst um, imposter syndrome ever. Mm. And I think to overcome that, like you just have to keep having conversations with people who are going through the same thing because you kind of know that it's super common and it's not unique to you. And everyone has that little voice in their head. You just have to learn how to deal with it. And I feel like the further you get in your journey, the quieter it gets. Right. Yeah. So I know this is kind of a plug here, but it's not plugging for myself. And the person I'm plugging has no idea I'm plugging them because they're much bigger. But there's a really good podcast from Rob Locasio, I believe is his name. He's this, the founder of a company called Live Person. And the podcast is called Over the Wall. It is so good. He's only got a few episodes because he just started, but you got to check it out and uh, tell me what you think because he talks a lot about uh, challenges in business and, and especially for entrepreneurship. So maybe we'll link that here on the video and, and for the podcast, but I'll, uh, I'll recommend that one for you. Yeah. Um, but as we kind of go into the, the final topic of, of the podcast today, let's talk about passion in business because I think it's really important to identify that if you want to get into entrepreneurship. And again, you're right, it's not for everyone, but let's say you want to be an entrepreneur. How do you find your passion or your calling in business and, and then go after it? I was very lucky and I kind of knew what my passion was. Um, once I like entered the fitness industry, I kind of figured out what I loved but I think it comes down to figuring out what you don't love. Um, if you do something and you don't like it, don't think of that as a failure or a, a loss. Think of it as, okay, cool. I didn't like that. Now let's try something else. Um, right. And it's, it's literally just trial and error, like figure out what you like um, and figure out where can you add value? Like what do people need and what are people looking for? And what is, where is there a hole in the market? Or look at uh, other markets, like in terms of me, like with the protein cookie dough, I looked at the States and I was like, okay, this product's there and it does really well. Why isn't it in Canada yet? So I took a proven concept and brought it here, but it was also something that I was passionate about. Right. Amazing. Yeah. And I think you had mentioned like a lot of things kind of came together to create your business, which I think is the way to go. It's not necessarily one specific passion, uh, but it could be a few different things that you really enjoy doing, bringing them together that really creates the business itself. So totally get that. 
Um, in terms of self-doubt and really being maybe unsure during the entrepreneurial journey, what, how do you overcome that? And, and is it primarily the support system that you've built? Yeah, it really does come down to the support system. And yeah, imposter syndrome is a real thing for sure. Um, and I think like having conversations again with people who are like even like way above you and way successful and who are like um, so like successful in your eyes, right? I look at these people and I'm like, oh my God, they built something so amazing. Like they've, they've reached it, they've made it, but even they like doubt themselves and they have that imposter syndrome. So just kind of knowing that it's normal um, I think has really helped me. And then on those days where I'm kind of second guessing myself, I have people that I can fall on and like I have mentors and stuff and it's like, okay, well, why am I feeling this way? Is there something I'm missing? Or like, am I, am I crazy for thinking this? Or so kind of just having people like bring you down to earth and uh, I, I, yeah, having, having those people around has been really important for me. Amazing. Awesome. As we wrap up, I, only, I know we have just a few min minutes here. What is a piece of advice that you could give to the aspiring entrepreneur, someone who wants to get into business for themselves and, and start the entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so I think just use the resources that are around you. Um, if you feel like you don't know something, like you can Google things, there's free workshops. Um, we're so lucky this day and age with Google and technology, like 20, 30 years ago, you have to go to like get a book. Um, so use the resources that you have, um, ha ask questions, like be curious. I think that's the one thing that I would recommend to anyone, just be curious. Um, if you, there's no such thing as a dumb question, right? Um, even with like things like acronyms and stuff with like CPG, like consumer packaged goods, if I didn't know what certain acronyms didn't mean, I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? I don't understand. Um, so be curious, do your research. And if you feel like if you're on the fence about it and you don't know like when to fully jump in full time, maybe do it as a side hustle, figure out if there's a market for it. And if you get the sales and you can comfortably, um, I guess, you can live off of that, then jump in full time into it. Um, and yeah, that's just go for it. Awesome. Erica, amazing advice. And thank you for the conversation. Um, where can the viewers or the listeners find Brodo? Yeah, so we're available at Link Canada at this time, and that's brodo.ca. And uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Brodo Canada. And you can email me, Erica at brodo.ca. Awesome. Thank you, Erica. And uh, thanks everyone for watching and listening. Thanks, Dan, for having me. <laughs>